the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Well, Tyson, as we get ready to start the baseball playoffs, we're joined by one of our favorite baseball aficionados, our brother from the great state of New York, the biggest Mets fan I know this side of Jerry Seinfeld. His name is Gary Falkowitz. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. And we, uh, we're we only a day away from the Mets in the wild card round. And I'm, I'm not happy to tell you that they should not be playing this series, but they did not do a great job to end the season. So it is what it is. Nice to see you, gentlemen. For sure. For sure. It's great to see you. I actually did not realize that you're a huge uh, baseball aficionado. So that's awesome. Cool. Aficionado is probably the wrong word because Jim really is the expert in the baseball. I'm a tremendous fan. I played when I was younger. I'm a tremendous fan of the New York Mets and I enjoy watching and learning and talking baseball. For sure. You'd be great in St. Louis. Yeah, for sure. Best fans in baseball, man. You'd be great. And they had some run. So congratulations to you guys, you know, saying goodbye to immortals. But, uh, you know, there's, there's an ending to everything. And uh, what a run those guys had there. So that was awesome. Yeah, I was there on Sunday and it was really something. They, you know, honored them and thanked them. And when you hear the stats about all the playoff games they went to and all the records that they hold. And, you know, it was funny because they pretty much ignored the fact that Albert was gone for 10 years. They just sort of just sort of skated right over that. But it was the thing that got them the most excited was the mayor named October 4th, Yadier Molina Day and October 5th, Albert Pujols Day. And they were just tickled pink. Wow. They They were giggling like kids when they found out that they had their own days. That's fantastic. So let me tell what you about Wayne, right? He doesn't get anything? Wait, he Wayne, might come back. Wayne will get his due. Huh. I haven't told Gary, I've not told Jim this yet, but I was supposed to fly to Pittsburgh yesterday. I was invited on Sunday to go to the Cardinals game in Pittsburgh yesterday. And I decided not to do it because we would have had to reschedule all of our podcast recordings today because <laughs> uh, I would it would have, it would have not worked. The only thing that kept me from doing it was today. So 
just so you know, Gary, I kept it so we could record with you. So I, I am honored. I'll make it as fun and, and valuable as possible for you guys. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure that people are sick of us talking about baseball. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Gary. Gary, tell people for, I mean, we know you well, but t- tell people, and I think a lot of, a lot of Max Muller fans, the, the, especially people that have been to the conferences know who you are, but tell people who you are and uh, just a little bit about your story. Yeah. So I'm a little bit unique, comparatively speaking, uh, to my brothers and sisters that are attorneys out there. Uh, I've been practicing. I'm an attorney since 2005. And I'll skip to the point where I was hired as a personal injury lawyer uh, at a national personal injury law firm. And my the light bulb went off in my brain about how this is a business. Uh, and it's not just uh, offering legal services. It also became very clear to me that we are a commodity and the, and the competitive nature of what we do makes it so that it doesn't matter how good of an attorney or how smart you might be, uh, but rather how well you run your business. That might be the difference between success and failure. So when I realized this at a young-ish age, I decided to gamble on everything I learned managing the intake being on television, maybe a few pounds lighter, being the guy that says, if you've been injured, we can help, right? And, and really understanding what makes the phone ring. Uh, I decided to gamble on, on that knowledge and experience to consult law firms on their front-end business, on their intake practices. Fast forward, you have uh, my own book. We opened a call center, uh, which was ultimately acquired. I still consult law firms. I still have my own law firm. I have a coaching program right now. And I got a, a few other things up the sleeve that I'm working on, all to enhance, improve, expedite the intake and the, and the front-end business practices for law firms nationwide. So that's where I'm at. It has been a wild ride. I learn every single day. And I guess you know the idea that there's room for improvement no matter what you're doing, is, is, is constantly reminded uh, with what I'm doing. Yeah. Gary, it's so great to hear your voice. It's just reassuring to me from the long and many hours we spent together working on our little podcast series, which I still we still get tons of feedback on. It's very well received and, and it certainly helped our firm grow and, and our intake team grow. It occurs to me that like Tyson and I, you have an inside seat. Uh, you get brought into law firms. And you sort of see what's really going on under the hood and you get to see how people are doing. I'm wondering what kind of an overall scorecard for, let's say, the, the, the firms that you've looked at over the last three years, what kind of a scorecard would you give the average law firm on the adequacy of their intake system? The first time I've heard that question, Jim. So I would say it's probably in the seven out of 10 range. Um, and that's only because I'm a, I'm a positive guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's higher than I thought it was going to be. That's yeah. substantially higher than what I would have guessed. Yeah, my standards are really, yeah, from a from a basic like, hey guys, you have to be doing some of the basic things to make sure you're not completely failing your, your clients. So I really start them off at like a five and then hopefully they can get up to a seven or an eight. I've never really worked with a law firm that was at a nine. and there are plenty of law firms I've worked with that never got higher than the five that they started with. Um, so I think, you know, without speaking uh, too generally on the topic, because I, you know me, I'm an open book guy. So you can ask any question. And I'm going to tell you my honest opinion about it. But without getting into too much detail, 
I think one of the problems is law firms and lawyers in general, law firm owners, which are lawyers, didn't go to business school. And I'll admit, I didn't go to business school. So what right do I have teaching law firms how to run a business if I didn't go to business school? I don't have an answer to that question other than experience and interest. But I'll tell you that experience and interest can take you a really, really far distance. And I think most attorney owners, they don't have the interest in improving business. And I think they've been successful anyway. I think that they'll have the home run cases. They'll convince themselves that because they had some home run wins, they're fine. And whatever they're losing or leaving on the table, it's no big deal because they still had a big year. So my goal is to teach law firm owners that they shouldn't be judging their last year or yesterday on just the wins. They really have to look at the losses. They really have to look at the holes uh, because they should be trying to maximize the return on their investment, not just get some wins. Uh, and that's that's a challenge. It's a challenge. Nobody wants to know how much they weigh sometimes, Jim, right? We don't step on that scale because we're nervous to see what it says. Guilty of that as well. I might go a couple of weeks before stepping on that scale because I just don't want to know. Well, I'm the scale for the law firms and I want to tell them. I want to tell them what's going on. I want to give them the truth and I want to help fix it. That's where I come from. Let's dig a little deeper on this. So what are some of those holes that you see most common? So uh, let's stay with the baseball theme for a second. What are some of those holes in their swing? Yeah, let's see how far we can go with this analogy. So I think their swing is too long, Tyson. Okay, I think that too much of it is manual improvisation and guesswork. So what happens is each caller, each lead gets a different experience. And because of that, it becomes unpredictable to forecast future results. So I think if law firms begin to create efficient processes, I actually just posted, I created, and thanks to you guys for your help, I created a, a, a Facebook group dedicated to intake. And this morning I posted something about automation. And I basically said, I'm not going to get it word for word. I basically said, if you can automate, automate. Learn how to automate. Ask your friends what they're doing to automate. Look at your competitors. See what they're doing to automate. Automate. If you can't automate, learn. It's one or the other. The improvisation and guessing aspect to running a law firm or to giving your team to, 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 to handle their responsibilities, it's a recipe for disaster. So I think if you want to get into some details about where those holes are, I think one big one that Jim and I talked about couple years ago that is still so prevalent in our industry is the lack of decision-making authority, right? If you're going to have uh, uh, your people talk to a potential client, regardless of the type of law you do, you need to assume that there will not be a second bite at that apple. You got to take that leap. You cannot be entitled to the point where you say, you know what? They called us. They obviously like us. They'll give us some time to think about their, their case, their potential case, and they'll wait for us to get back to them. That is entitled to the 10th degree. Do not do that, guys. You can't do it. It's too competitive. No matter what you do, no matter what niche you may have, it is too competitive. So I think if we can teach and train our people to make decisions on that first or during that first conversation, we're setting ourselves up for success. And I always love when law firms look at me sometimes and I say that, they'll be like, well, I don't know if I could... I don't know if I could teach my team to do that. That's 
I don't know, creating an attorney-client relationship because one of my non-lawyers says we can help? Well, let's talk about the cost associated with creating that relationship with someone we don't want as a client. For instance, let's say we teach our intake team, here's our standard to sign a client. They met A, B, and C. And I'm ignoring the other letters of the alphabet, A, B, and C. Let's sign it up. Now we find out that a few of those A, B, and Cers are not people we want because we did some investigation and we realized they didn't tell us that when you get to F, they really made a, it's really their fault or we don't want that case. Well, then what's our option, right? Our option there is to call the client, explain to them the status that we're in, the situation that we're in and why we have to act the way that we're about to act, which is basically letting them go as a client. And telling them, thank you so much for giving us that opportunity. We hope you think about us in the future. Here's why we couldn't help. I hope you understand. Let us know if you have any questions. That is fantastic. And that's okay. And that's the cost to signing somebody that you ultimately don't want to sign. But what's the cost to to investigating prior to retention? The cost is you may never get that client. You may lose that client to an inadequate attorney to someone who has nowhere near the resources you have because you thought you had time on your side and they realized that they didn't. So I really want law firms to kind of compare the two and make a decision and be aggressive and be okay with making mistakes. I don't want them to guess. I don't want them to be entitled. And that's a tough thing to teach some of these guys. Let me ask you a follow-up to that. How much of this is that the firms that don't like doing this is that it's just that they don't want to have those hard conversations with the clients after they've signed them up? I think what you hear, Tyson, is, oh, the negative review, the negative review. How can I sign up a person that's going to give me a negative review? That is such a defensive mentality. It's such a defensive mentality. Are you not equipped? And, and I should apologize to anybody watching this. I always come across so aggressive. Now, I'm proud of that aggression. I really am because it comes from a very natural uh, and passionate place. And I think most people probably know that. But are we not prepared? Are we not educated? Are we not capable to speak with people that we signed up and have a conversation with them and explain to them articulately why we couldn't help, what factor presented itself, which made this case a non-case. Can we not do that? Do we really think that people are not going to appreciate that? If we think that everything's a negative review, then why are we in this industry? Reviews, positive or negative, they're coming, baby. Either way, they're coming. So let's make sure at least we're doing everything we can everything we can to sign as many potentially good clients as possible. Let's make that a priority, not, oh my God, I'm scared of negative reviews. One of the things you mentioned was return on investment. And I was thinking about my old mentor, Jim Mondal, and he used to say to me, Jim, do you know why I win a lot of my cases? I said, no. He said, because lots of lawyers do all the work of discovery, depositions, and then they they don't do the last 10% of the work to win the case. Like they, they've, they put all the pieces together. They sort of hope it might settle. And then they don't do that last 10%. And I think there's an analogy there to all the money and effort that people put into their marketing to get their phone to ring. And when they spend time with Gary, they realize how much money they're wasting and how much it's actually costing them to sign up a case. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think that there is a, um, there's an aspect here to taking a path 
that is least resistant that law firms tend to uh, rely upon. And if there is a need to change something or where it's difficult or challenging, they're going to stay away from it, right? So anytime I've consulted, um, I've had every law firm that's brought that, that, that has reached out to me about a consulting gets a lot of credit because even the ones that have said to me, Gary, I think we're doing a pretty great job, but I want you to come in and confirm that for me. I love them. Thank you. Fantastic. That is the goal. Let me come in and confirm that for you. I'm not coming here to rip anything to pieces. I want to help you. So to me, it's like good for you. And I think many law firms don't want to know and they don't, they, they don't want to make something slower. You're talking when you're talking about the intake staff, I call it intake staff for some other industries. Maybe it's not intake. Maybe they call it just their reception team. Maybe they call it their sales team. Maybe they call it, you know, their, their claimant introductory team. It doesn't matter what you call it. I think that these are the lowest paid staff members in a firm, in most firms. And I think that there's, I hate to repeat myself, but there's this aspect of these guys don't need to know how to sell because if somebody calls us or reaches out to us, they already want us. And I think we all have to understand that claimants are just hunting. They're just hunting. They don't know what questions to ask. They don't know how successful you've been. They don't know what law school you went to. They don't know how much money you made last year. They don't know what you did for a similar claimant in the past. What they know is they saw your marketing message. They had a need that they thought you can assist with. And if you don't have a process in place to get them to cross that bridge from claimant to client, then you're just another piece of food that they can go get elsewhere as a hunter. And, you know, right now I'm, I, I have a coaching program, right, where I'm helping to coach intake staff. All I'm trying to do is educate these folks. I want them to understand that they are so powerful. And Jim, you know, you made a huge change in your firm a few years ago where you started giving decision-making authority to your staff members. And that's, that's really a powerful shift that you gave to your staff members to give them that ability and to get them to say certain things to potential clients that made clients feel like, oh, you can help me? That's fantastic. What's the next step? Oh, we could do it right now in this call? That's fantastic. Let's get it done. And I'm sure there was a point where you just didn't think it was going to work. No way are these potential clients going to sign on the dotted line right now. No way are they going to move forward without speaking to me, a lawyer. And you found out pretty quickly, holy shit, pardon my language, these guys just want resolution. These guys just want someone to say we can help. They want to take the pressure from their shoulders and put it onto somebody else's shoulders. And I think there's a major impact here, or a major factor here, impact's the wrong word, there's a major factor here, which is uh, friction. And if we have any friction at the front end of our business in such a competitive industry, we lose. We lose. I want you to imagine going down a shopping mall, right, with multiple stores, all offering the same thing. And if one door is locked, they're going to the next one. If you go into the next one and the lights are off, they're going to the next one. You go to the next one and there's no one to help you when you walk in the store so you can't find the shoes or the shirt you're looking for, they're going to the next one. That is how it is for law firms. So how do we make it easier for these callers? And I think to full circle back, I think that we're judging our intake on how much money we made last year. 
And that's a big, that's a big problem. One has nothing to do with the other. Our intake impacts how we do in the next two to three years. Uh, and I think we have to just start putting some more attention on our sales team. And, and here's the thing. I'm becoming more and more comfortable with just calling it sales. I truly am. You know, this is every other organization has sales programs for their salespeople. Every other organization understands how important the sales aspect is to their business. How dare we think that this isn't sales because we think we're lawyers and we don't sell? Bullshit. That's bullshit. We sell. Whether we want to call it something else or not to make ourselves feel better, that's fine. I don't care. I remember being afraid of that word too, right? Oh my God, sales. No, this isn't sales. This is 100% sales. And oh, by the way, as private equity gets involved in our industry, you better believe they know it's sales and they're going to be ready to use their sales tactics. So I think we just have to be aware of that and start prioritizing and put more focus on the front end of our business, not just on, and by the way, I love the lawyers. Without the lawyers, we don't make any money. But without the sales or intake, we don't have any clients to make money for. I love that. You know what I'm going to do, Gary? I'm going to hire you to just do a recording just to pump me up in the mornings and <laughs> you just, just amp me up. That's so great. <laughs> and you're right. Hey, here's the deal. Private money's coming and it, they're already in two states and they're coming to the other states. If you if you think that you're in a state, it's not coming, you're you're out of your mind. So you, if, you're, if you've that, got that mindset, get out because they're coming. So be ready for they're them. Coming. They're here. I, I do think we're, we have an uphill battle trying to make people think that this is sales, but it is sales. You brought up something that I had asked someone about a month ago, and I think it's a really interesting thing. You mentioned that the people answering the phones are typically the lowest paid people in the, in the firm. And I think that there you can make a really, really good argument that they should be the highest paid or one of the highest paid members of the firm. So I want to I want to get your thoughts on that and flipping that dynamic because that role is so crucial. They didn't go to law school. Okay. They're people people. I'm a people person. They're people people, right? And they have personalities. And they should have personalities. Hopefully they have personalities. I think it's a shift in appreciating where you are in the competitive landscape. I think the more you realize that you can be replaced with a snap of a finger, the more attention you put on your sales team. I think the more you think that you're the only game in town, the less attention you put in your sales and intake team. So do I think that they get paid or should get paid what lawyers get paid? No, of course not. You know, this is why we went to law school. This is how we, you know, they like to say in the personal injury world that the insurance company offered me $50,000, but the lawyers got me $500,000. Okay. I buy that, by the way. I do. I, I, the insurance company's goal is to give you as little as possible, as fast as possible. And the personal injury law firm being a contingency fee lawyer wants to get you as much money as possible. So there's so much value in what the lawyer or legal team does. But I think that your intake and sales team must be regarded higher with more respect than it currently is. I'll give you an example that bothers me, always bothers me. When I consult with a law firm, there's always, not always, there's oftentimes a disconnect between a lawyer and an intake specialist. What happens sometimes is the intake specialist will have a legal question, right? They, they're presented with a situation they've never been presented with before. So what they have to do oftentimes is go over to a, an attorney's desk and say, hey, what should I do in this situation? I have a caller on the phone who experienced A, B, C, and D. Can you help me? Lawyer says, I'm, I'm too busy right now. You got, can you come back another time, please? 
And they say it in a way where the intake specialist basically says, okay, I'm going to walk away because I'm, I'm, my feelings are hurt and you just basically made me, you know, condescended me. The next time I have this situation, I'm just going to tell the caller we can't help, right? Because I don't want to be put in another situation where the lawyer makes me feel badly about asking them for advice or help. Lawyers, and I'm not talking about the owners here. This is really important you guys understand this. Everyone who's watching this, understand this. Your lawyers never had to put up a dollar to make the phone ring. They come to the office, probably work many hours, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 6, 7, 8 p.m., and files are put in their desk. Deadlines are given to them. No gamble. They come, they work their butts off. Some of you law firms give them a piece of whatever the award is or whatever that is that they earn. Fantastic. They have no idea what it's like to gamble for your business. Your sales team is being judged on a constant basis, a daily basis. Did you convert? Did you convert? Did you follow up enough? And I think the lawyers have to understand that the owners of the law firm have put a significant amount of money gambling on making the phone ring. And the lawyers have to do everything in their power to help the sales and intake team to answer their questions so they become more comfortable asking questions to help them convert leads. Because at the end of the day, sales team, they're not lawyers, so they, may, they don't even get to use the title, oh, I'm also a lawyer here. They don't get to do that. And sometimes they need a lawyer to get on the phone to help close. So there's a disconnect there. And, and I'm not saying intake specialists should get paid more because I can't look into the pockets of an owner. What I'm saying is that everybody in that firm better start respecting and holding them to a higher degree of responsibility or they're going to lose. The firm will lose. And by the way, the reason why there's so much turnover at intake isn't only because they're constantly picking up the phone call, guys. There's so much turnover because they don't feel appreciated. These folks who are constantly on the phone and making phone calls, taking phone calls, are not feeling appreciated. And they know how much value they bring to the table. So all I'm trying to do is, in the mind share of the attorney, increase the value of what that sales or intake person is. They hold so much value to and have a direct relationship to how your firm does in the future. Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step -step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. Our guest today is Mr. Gary Falkowitz. He's the CEO of Intake Conversion Experts. He's also the author of The Complete Guide to Law Firm Intake, Powerful Strategies to Maximize Retention and Increase Revenue. Can a team be taught how to close better and how to conduct sales better? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I've been doing. That's why I created a coaching program. That's why I've consulted law firms. I think there's strategies here. 
I think you can teach them what language to use. I think you can teach them the mentality of the caller that is reaching out to your firm. I think you could make them subject matter experts, not to be lawyers, but to be sales and intake specialists so that they understand and, and are able to anticipate the questions that are going to come their way. What's a contingency fee? How long should this case last? What's the litigation process like? Who are the attorneys I'm going to be working with? These are all things you can train. Right. And, and what I think you have to do is you can train them, a lot of these salespeople, on urgency. Right. What language to provide to convey urgency so that the caller feels like they have to move on this immediately and to give them the comfort. You know, that's what sales is about. That's what intake is about. It's to provide comfort to the potential buyer. And if you can do that effectively, you're going to maximize the return on your investment. So the answer simply is yes, you can train it. I don't think law firms are training it appropriately. I don't even think they're holding their team accountable. So forget about training. Let's just see what they're doing. I don't think law firms know what they're doing. I had a law firm yesterday. Okay. True story. I hate that I have to say that as if I would make up a fake story. True story. A law firm asked that I perform a couple of ghost calls for them. Okay. This is a a client of mine. So I did two ghost calls. I completed two ghost calls. The first one the intake specialist asked no less than 30 questions. 30 questions on the first conversation and the call ended without them telling me whether they can help or not. They had to go, they said, I'm gonna go speak to one of my supervisors and see if we can help and give you a call back. Are you kidding me? If that didn't bother you enough, let's go with the other call. 12.45 on a Wednesday, yesterday, I called their firm. Someone picked up on the fourth ring and said, please hold. Something better than that, but something like, would you kindly hold for a moment? Didn't capture my name, retrieve my name, nothing. Waited two and a half minutes on hold. I hung up. Two and a half minutes. This is in the middle of a Wednesday. Guys, this is not the only firm that does this. We all have the holes in our bucket. We have no idea where the holes are. And in the front end of our business, how can we not automate some of this stuff? How can we not train our people better? We can. We choose not to. We choose not to. And my, if there's anything I've done or continue to try to do in my career, it's to help businesses run their businesses better, right? I want law firms. I want them to understand it is a business. I want them to understand how they can hold everyone accountable, how they can find their leaks, and then how to plug those leaks. That's my goal. And then, you know, down the road, I'm going to have a lot of cool things that I'm bringing out there as a value-added proposition. It's all with the same goal. Plug your holes, get more leads. That's it. Plug your bucket with a bunch of leads. That's fine. Uh, get there it is. Going. That works too. Let's plug the bucket. Lots of leads. That works. That's right. So, hey, you've been mentioning this a little bit. Talk about the coaching that you're doing for uh, law firms when it comes to the intake. I think that's I think that's great. So tell, tell people about that and then give yourself a little plug as to how they can get in touch with you about that too. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tyson. I'm not, it's never good. It's never, some people are good at selling themselves. I just like selling ideas. So I'm not good at selling myself. Uh, it's a new coaching program. It's called the Intake Playbook. You can go to intakeplaybook.com. I basically realized I can't consult everybody all the time. I can't, I can't be cut in so many different ways. So I wanted to help out in a more direct fashion. I wanted to communicate with intake specialists and salespeople throughout the country. So there are two live courses uh, a month. Uh, anything where you can't make it, you're, uh, you'll have access to the videos. 
We're going to be discussing the, obviously, all of the, the holes that we've discussed here on this call and get really down and dirty about how to fix them. We're going to have interviews with sales and communication experts. Um, and we're going to make, and there's also a phone call with the firm so we can discuss uh, how things are going in that particular law firm. I just think it's time there is more attention on the specific sales team and intake team. And I think an objective and outside voice giving them the ability to ask questions, right? It's not just, hey, Gary's got the answers for you. Now go use these answers. It's actually trying to provoke thought. I want to uh, um, push them to ask their supervisors questions. Hey, what should we do in this situation? Hey, how should we handle this? Hey, what are we doing with referrals? I want them to ask those questions because there's so much opportunity that's left on the table. And I don't think law firms are very much aware of it. So it's called the Intake Playbook, intakeplaybook.com. Excited to sort of speak directly with the sales teams at these law firms. When I hear you speak about intake and what you observe at these law firms, I think about myself when I talk about immigration. I, we have sort of the same passion. I'm wondering, where does this come from for you? Like, where? what's the genesis of this? To, I wouldn't say outrage. I think outrage is too strong. But this that you find this to be upsetting. I th- I'm embarrassed by it, Jim. You know, I mean, I, I mean... I really, I kind of am. I'm an attorney and and uh, um, I ran it for a law firm and I, I have so many attorney friends that are doing well and I don't like inefficiencies, right? So we're also, the three of us are sports fans, right? And, and it's, uh, we don't like laziness. We don't like when someone, Brandon Nimmo of the New York Mets gets walked and he sprints to first base as if it's the last time he'll ever sprint to first base and or it's the first time he'll ever sprint to first base. It's a beautiful thing to watch. I like efficiency. I like capitalizing. I like maximizing ROI. And I like to, I guess over the years, I've been very comfortable questioning antics that are not conducive to positive results. And whether it's something I do personally, whether it's something in our industry, whether it's something somebody else does, I start to ask a lot of questions. Why aren't uh, the sanitation trucks marketing something on their trucks? You know, why little things like that. And I just wonder, is, I see the white space everywhere and it bothers me that nobody's really thinking about it. When it comes to intake, I guess it bothers me that here we are screaming, you know, we're, we're screaming that we can help you. We're spending so much money marketing for our services. And yet we fail at the first step. We fail at the first step. And that, it, it bothers me. Anything I do, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 100%, right? I can't, I can't you know, do it haphazardly. And um, I've been doing this now for well over uh, 10 years. I'm all in. I'm very passionate about improving this and focusing on this and fixing this. Uh, and I like to be the solution. I like to be a helper, Right. And I think that this allows me to help in a way that isn't guesswork. It's not as if I'm saying, hey, you should try this. Hopefully it works out. I like to speak. When I speak, I don't want it to be just BS. I want to speak from experience. Right. And, and I like this is a good position for me because this is something I'm experienced in. I've spoken with hundreds of law firms. I've been in their firms. So I, I love the idea that I can help others and I get passionate about it. I love it. For for those of you that have not listened to the episodes, we'll put them in the show notes. I don't have the exact episodes that you and Jim did on intake. There's even a bonus episode in there. I think there's eight of them. So there's eight total. It's really amazing. We've reconfigured all of our intake based upon what you talk about, you and Jim talk about in that that series. 
It's really, really incredible. Our conversions have tripled. It's amazing stuff. So I really do highly recommend it. Um, we do need to wrap things up. We're, we're over time. That, that is one of those things. I think, Gary, with you, we could probably go for hours, but yeah. uh, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, before I do, I want to remind everyone to join us in the Facebook group, uh, search Maximum Lawyer and find us there. If you're interested in a more high-level conversation, go to maxlawguild.com and join us there. Just a lot of great members sharing great wins uh, on a daily basis. Ryan McKean, He's in the guild, $100 million verdict yesterday, killing it. Awesome. Um, Andrew Garza, trial attorney on that, just amazing stuff. Biggest verdict in Connecticut history. That's wow. amazing stuff. So, so happy uh, for Connecticut trial firm. Awesome stuff yesterday. So, But he's a member of the guild. So if you if you want more, uh, uh, be around guild members like that, uh, join us in the guild, maxlawguild.com. All right, Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? We were talking earlier about how you know, the venture capital is coming into the law field and that a lot of people think that that might not happen to us. I read a great book. I'm halfway through a great book called Zone to Win. It's by this guy named Jeffrey Moore. He wrote Crossing the Chasm. And it talks about how established firms or established companies can play offense and defense and think about, you know, maintaining their p- current position, but also how to innovate while you maintain your sort of leadership position and to make sure that you separate out those departments so that you are always innovating on the one hand, but also keeping your bread and butter going. Because if you just stand still, you're going to get run over. I like that. And th- for those of you that don't think that the uh, private mon- money is coming into your market, I bet doctors in the 50s and 60s thought the exact same thing. And guess what? It's all private money now. So the the general practitioner barely exists anymore when it comes to doctors. So um, just be ready for it. Uh, Gary, you know the routine by now. What's the? Do you, we always ask our guests to give a tip or a hack of the week. So what you got for us? All right. Tip of the week. I would say call your own law firm off hours. All right. Call your own law firm off hours. See what the experience is like. Um, and if it's not a great experience, imagine what it's like when you call three times or four times or five times. So just do it. Take five minutes right now. Every time you're watching this, call your own law firm, make up a name, call from a different phone number if you have to see what the experience is like. Uh, and that's your law firm right there, guys. So uh, if it's not great, that says something about you, unfortunately. So fix it. Gary, I'm smiling because um, it makes me think of a call that made me cringe. It was like three years ago. As I guess it was uh, end of 2018, so about four years ago, actually. And um, I was getting some complaints from some clients about a particular employee. So we decided to start recording our phone calls. And the it was the very first recording that I listened to. I swear I almost fell out of my chair. It was shockingly bad. It was shockingly bad. So, yes. I think it's great advice. Check it. Check it. It was, it was, but it, cause um, it, it could surprise you. You might think that things are going really, really well. And they That's might right. Not be. Yeah. All right. So my tip of the week is um, I had my, my coaching meeting with Jason Selk on Friday and it was, it was that he was asking me about like what, what, what I wanted my perfect day to look like. And I was really kind of struggling because my days are all kind of different the way my I've, I've kind of structured my week. And as it, I, I did it to myself, I'd structured it this way. And I thought I had a really good structure, but I couldn't give him like a good explanation as to like what I wanted my day to look like. And it was really, it was like, oh my gosh, it was, it was, it was a real struggle for me. So the plan we came up with is that I'm going to start 
I'm going to look at my week and at the end of the week, I'm going to remove one item that I can, that I can either remove or delegate. So that's the plan. And I started actually this process yesterday and I've already removed five things from my calendar that don't need to be on there. Just that's just this week. So my tip for people is to see if you can pick one thing off your week that you can remove or delegate every single week. And because we always talk about like getting to the work that you can do that you're really, really great at. I think that's a really easy way of doing it. Just pick one thing to, to remove or delegate every single week. Next thing you know, you're doing the work that you're meant to do. So uh, I think that, that it's a great bit of advice for people. But uh, Gary, thanks so much. As always, a lot of fun. Really, always, I love learning things from you. Uh, good stuff. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for having me. What are the best ways for people to get a hold of you? Just go to intakeplaybook.com. Go to Gary at intakeplaybook.com. And you can find me now. Google my name and you'll, I promise you'll find me. All right. Well, go Cardinals. Let's <laughs> go, Mets. Bye, guys. See you, brother. See you, Gary. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.